two main topics came out of this pondering time that I've had with the Lord. The first one is, it's on your notes, what does God's word say about certain areas of our lives? And we're going to talk about one of those today. Not our opinions, not our theories. What does God's word say about certain things? The other big question that came out of this study time for me was, what has God called us to do and who has he called us individually to be? Because here's the deal. In your life and in my life, God has a specific plan for you. Okay? He has a Brandon plan. He has a Dave plan. God has a Clint plan. There's something, Clint, that he's called you specifically to do. But then as a follower of Christ, there's a plan that God has for all of us. And his plan for every Christ- Christian is that we become a disciple. We become a disciple, and I want you to understand what a disciple is. We talked about this last week. A disciple or an apprentice is simply someone who has decided to be with another person under appropriate conditions in order to become capable of doing what that person does or to become what that person is. The example I gave last week that I think just works so well is that of an apprentice, If you want to become a master plumber, if you want to become an electrician, you are are brought into a relationship where there's somebody that has skill, and you may be down here, but your job is to come alongside them, and over time, they will teach you to do what they do. And the theory is, if you do that, that's what Jesus did. He brought the disciples to himself, spent three years with them, and in those three years, they were transformed from the inside out, and it took time. So you attach yourself to someone and become like them. But I was thinking, what what is a better way for us to really understand what that is? And here's what being a disciple really is. It's learning learning from Jesus to live my life as if Jesus was with me, beside me every day. Now imagine this for a moment. Imagine if Jesus showed up in the flesh and walked around with you all day long and was there to help you as you went about your day-to-day business. How would that change the way you interact with people? How would that change things if you knew that Jesus was right there, that you could consult him on challenges that you faced? Or maybe when you're interacting with people, I wonder how that might change your interaction with folks if Jesus was there all the time. Well, the reality is, because the Holy Spirit being in us, he is with us all the time. Now, you may not see him. There may be times that you sense his presence, but a disciple is someone that has taken his presence on, that Jesus is in our life, and he is walking and living in us and through us every single day. But there's another commandment that Jesus gave us as disciples. Our job is to make other disciples. That's our job. Jesus said, go and make what? Disciples of who? All nations, everywhere. Go everywhere and make disciples. And I find it fascinating that Jesus didn't say, go and make converts. He didn't say, go and just get people saved. Go and just share the gospel. He said, no, go and make disciples. Because here's the truth. If you are discipling someone, if someone is becoming a disciple, they're going to get saved. That's step number one. Salvation, guys, spirit. But that is not the end. Discipleship. I mean, salvation is where we begin in our relationship with God. Discipleship is when we walk all the way through and we grow in Christ and we become the people he wants us to be. But also, we are eventually training other people like an apprentice and bringing them on too. That's not a general commandment. That is a specific commandment. And so as I thought about that and I've been pondering that so much, that's the... 
The, the specific rule for all of us, the commandment that God wants to do is that. But then there are specific rules that he has in life about certain areas, and we're going to talk about one of those today. But, but before we jump into this, I want to rehash something we talked about last week, and that is truth. You know, every Sunday when we get up here and I get ready to share with you guys, speak to you, we lift up our Bibles and say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is what? True. Every word in it is true. We're starting with the Bible as our foundation. And so here's the thing about truth. Truth does not change. Truth is consistent. Truth is not whatever happens in the moment and it varies. Truth is the same all the time. And here's the deal about truth. It is real or or a fact or the way things are whether you like it or not. Okay, And I use the example of gravity that it doesn't matter if you like gravity or even necessarily believe in gravity. The way God has set up planet Earth right now, there is a gravitational field, and that gravitational law is in effect. And you may not like it, and you may not even agree with it, but it is a reality. And God's laws in our life are that way. And here's the thing, and Justin mentioned this to me a couple of weeks ago, and it is absolutely the truth. When we resist God's laws, when we decide that we're not going to do things the way God has set them up, guys, we're not just resisting God, we're fighting him. Because resisting doesn't sound that bad, does it? I'm going to resist God. Mm, Get away, God. That sounds like resistance. Fighting God sounds really different. We're in direct, when we choose to disobey God's laws, we are at war with him in those areas of our lives. And, and that is critical because here's the reality of what I believe the Lord was showing me as we began this series is that many of us, maybe even most of us, have areas in our life where we know what God's truth says, but we are actively choosing not to obey him. We are actively choosing to resist God. I shared with you guys when I was 16 years old, the first section of Scripture the Lord really showed me that really just so applied to my life, even at the age of 16, was out of Job chapter 22, verse 21 through 30. And I'm going to read Job 21 today because this is, our, this is our Scripture for this entire series. And this is what it says. I'm reading out of the Amplified. Now yield, give way, and submit yourself to God. Agree with God and be conformed to his will. And the end result of that is you'll be at peace. The end result of surrendering to God's will in every area of your life is that you will experience and you will know peace. But look at also what the end result is when we surrender to God. By doing this, in this way, you will prosper and great good will come to you. How many of you want to have an awesome life? Everybody in the room. I mean, everyone here, whether you raised your hand or not, I know you didn't get up this morning and go, you know what? I think it'd be awesome if my life was a complete disaster. I want to see how totally I can just mess my life up. I'm going to say, woohoo, some of us are actually doing that. But, but we don't usually intentionally say that. As a matter of fact, every one of us, whether you will admit it or not, you want to have a good life. You want things to go well. And when I read that, It says, listen, Chris, if you will surrender your life to God, to his way of doing things, you're going to have peace. Because if you're fighting God all the time, there is no peace. You're at war with God. But if you surrender to him, you're at peace with God. And that would be enough, but it goes on to say when you do that, in this way, you will prosper and great 
good will come to you. How many of you guys, that sounds awesome? Amen. So what we're saying here, God is giving us just in two sentences here, he's saying, look, here is a key to success in life. If you want to be blessed in life, you're going to have to agree and accept my way of doing things. And so as I began to think about those things, I recognized first he's called us to be a disciple, but then there are these areas of our life that, that God has these truths, these laws that are filled in the Bible, and I'm going to cover just some of them today with this one topic. But today we're going to talk about week number one, really, with these specific areas, is we're going to talk about the physical area of your life. Everybody say the physical area. Your body. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's going to talk about you this morning. Come on. Turn to your other neighbor and say, oh, but you're going to get it too. Come on, that's all right. Now listen. Now listen. Y'all know how, if you've been around here for five minutes, you know how I work. I'm not going to get up here and preach at you. I have never done that, and I hope to never do that. I'm up here today to talk to you guys because God's been talking to me. And trust me, in each of these areas, each week that we're going to go through these, next week we're going to talk about financial areas of our life, God is very specific in his word about success. And he has some very strong things to say about the physical areas of our life. Now, I'm going to share a fact with you that Trish and I are studying this week and, and learn this, and this is a truth, and those of you in the medical field will appreciate this statement. Listen to this. Did you know that 70% of the diseases in the world today are preventable? 70%. 70%. That means 30% of the diseases that are out there are things like cancer and other that, for the most part, those things can happen to you, okay? You, you don't necessarily do something to have those things happen. But 70% of the diseases in the world are preventable. There's things that you and I can do not to contract those things. So, so let me put it in a little... A bit, maybe a little closer situation. If you were to go down to the hospital right now in Batesville, using this statistic, 70%, theoretically, 70% of the people in that hospital don't have to be there. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. If they were making different choices, if they were making different lifestyle choices, they might not necessarily be in that physical situation that they are. That was amazing to me. But you know what? Even as we heard that statistic and listened to the gentleman explain that statistic, I realized that's probably true. Because here's the truth. And ask, go ahead and ask yourself this question right now. The physical situation that you find yourself in today, are you there because of something that else happened or because the Twinkies that you ate? Come on. Let's be real. I mean, Trish and I the other day went to um, Cracker Barrel in, in uh, Jonesboro, and I walked in, and the lady came over and said, well, sir, what can I get you today, you know? And I said, well, what do you think? I'm at Cracker Barrel, chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes and gravy. Do you want to roll? Is the Pope Catholic? I mean, what do you mean do I want to roll? And by the way, bring some honey, you know? I mean, and, and, and it's like, it's a, how many of you are from the South? Food is our hobby. I mean, it's like what we do, right? How many of you have ever been to a church event and fried chicken was the main thing on the meal absolutely and, and here's the thing nobody is making you eat that nobody is and, and it's the choices that we make and here's the deal and I'm going to talk about this in a minute in a, in a lot more depth God's word is very specific about how we treat this temple 
He is very specific about it. And I'm telling you, as I was going through this and reading things, there were things that I saw in here that even I had not realized were there. So we're going to go through five points here, and I'm going to be brief this morning, but I want you to open your heart and listen to what God's Word says. Now, before we do this, I didn't do this first service, but I want to ask you guys, how many of you would say right now that, that you are not satisfied with your physical situation? How many of you? How many of you are in such bad shape you can't even raise your hand? Right now, I'm going to assume <laughs> some of you are like, oh, no, I can't. Oh, that was still, I wanted to raise my hands in worship, but it's exhausting, you know? I mean... <laughs> So, so I'm just going to assume that most of us today are, are in a situation where we realize there's some physical things that we need to, to deal with. So here's number one. You ready? Look up on the screen in your notes. Here we go. God created your body. God created your body. And I put in parentheses on my notes. He, in other words, he is the manufacturer of your body. God designed it. The Bible tells us, listen to this, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Recently, we, we were praying, you know, for different folks in our, our church that have gone through some physical challenges recently. And one of the gentlemen in the church that had a stroke, and as they were talking with the physician, the, the brain surgeon, the neurosurgeon that was dealing with him, he was a Christian, and he said, I'm absolutely amazed at how God has created our human bodies, that he has created our, listen to his words, he said that God made our bodies to heal themselves. If we will cooperate with God, he actually made our bodies to be able to heal themselves. And I thought, how many situations in life are we not? Now listen, remember the over, overarching comment here is, are we yielding to God in the physical areas of our relationships with God? Are we yielding to his way of running our bodies? Because remember, he is the manufacturer. He's the one that created us. And, and if you want to know how to operate a piece of machinery, if you want to know how to deal with a car, what you do is when, whenever you buy almost anything mechanical, they give you a manufacturer's handbook, don't they? And in that book... It tells you how to turn it on, how to turn it off, how to maintain it. They've decided that this is the optimum way to run this piece of equipment. Now, let's be honest. And I'm just talking to the guys. Come on, fellas. How many of y'all think that is a waste of time that they put that in there? I mean, you gave me a key. I don't need a piece of paper, even if it has pictures on it. You know, it's like, I'll figure it out. And so that's kind of what we do with our bodies, too. It's like God has given us this incredibly complex machine that we are able to operate, and he's even given us in a manual how to run it, and we go, I'll figure it out. Don't we? Let's be real. Some of you are in denial right now. He goes, he's talking to everybody else but me. But we do that. But here's a fact. Remember, we're talking about truth. Truth is truth whether you like it or not. God created your body. He is the manufacturer. Let's look at number two on your, on your notes there. You and your body belong to him. You and your body belong to him. Now, that's important. It wasn't that God just manufactured you and then released you on the world. 
and said, I'm going to go up here in some cosmic place and not pay any attention. He said, no, 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 I'm going to create you, but I created you. Now, listen, this isn't in your notes. Write this down. God created you on purpose for a purpose. He manufactured you. He created you for a specific reason. And he, he, he owns you. Not in a weird, crazy way, but he is your father, and he created you with purpose, on purpose. I think that's just an incredible fact. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20. This is in the English Standard Version. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Now, look at this next sentence. This is very powerful. You are not your own. You were purchased with a price. And then notice this last sentence. This may be revelational to somebody in this room today. So glorify God in what? Your body. See, I think there's this thing among Christians is that, well, I need to be spiritually this way, but the physical side of me is not, as, not that big of a deal to God. That's not true. God is more interested in your spirit than he is in your body, but it's not this complete disinterest. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me explain to you for a second what the church is. The church is not a physical structure. There are church buildings, but the church is you. You are the church. The Spirit of God resides inside of you. And I'm just going to give you one quick example to prove that. When Saul, before he became Paul, before he became the Apostle Paul, he was persecuting the church. And so it said he would go from town to town and he would pull people out of their homes and he would try to separate them and do all those things. He was persecuting the church. But notice, he didn't go into these communities and burn down their houses and go to the synagogue and burn it down. Because that's not the church. The church is the people. The Bible says wherever two or more are gathered in my name, that's church. Church can be at the coffee shop. Church can be in a car. Church can be in a barn. Right now there are cowboy churches all around the country, and they're in a barn or a rodeo arena somewhere, and they are the church. Church can be anywhere that you are. And so when you see him talking about that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, he's saying, you're the church. The Holy Spirit lives in here. What's he living in? Glorify God with your body. That's an amazing thing. Now, look at number three. This is going to be the part where just turn to your neighbor and say, here we go. Come on, go ahead right now. Here we go. We're going to get ready. Y'all are going to love this one. Avoid gluttony. You are in charge, not your body. I'm going to read that again so I hear it this time. Avoid gluttony. You are in charge, not your body. Let me explain what I mean here. Gluttony is a sin that many Christians find easy to laugh about and accept as harmless, while sins such as being an alcoholic or being an adulterer are quickly attacked. The sin of gluttony is idolatry, and it is a choice to self-love, comfort, and control through food. And here's the definition of gluttony. Excess in eating or drinking. Boy, when I read that this week, I'm like, man, I wish that guy would have shut up. 
Because here's the thing, and when I read that, I knew immediately it was truth. Because see, as people, we classify sins. When we think of sinning, we think of murderers and, and, and these people, drunk drivers. And we, you, know, you have in your mind this classification of sin. And as you kind of glo- go down the classification list of sin, there's some sins that aren't as bad as others, right? You know, hey, I, I, I'm speeding and that's not so bad and I'm doing this and that. And so we kind of justify, right, kind of sins in our lives. We do. If that's my mom, tell her I'm busy. You know, uh, but we do. We, we have this, this idea in our lives that some sins are not as bad as others. But I'm going to read three scriptures here that I think are really going to help you understand where this lines up in God's way of doing things. Look at Proverbs chapter 23, verses 20 through 21. Here's what it says. Do not associate with heavy drinkers of wine. Now, let me just say, that's saying basically, hey, don't associate with a bunch of alcoholics. And, you know, some of us go, well, okay, I understand that. Okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go to those places. I'm not going to do that, right? But there's a comma and an or. Are you ready for the or? Or with gluttonous eaters of meat. Do not associate with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat. Because notice what the end result of that is according to the scripture. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to what? Poverty. And the drowsiness, notice the scripture, the wisdom of the scripture here. And the drowsiness of overindulgence will clothe one with rags. Wow, when I read that. Here was the visual image that came up in my mind. Where's all my southern folks again? Let me see your hands. Okay. Thanksgiving was just a few weeks ago. Growing up, we would go to my grandparents' house. And and on my mom's side, there was like eight kids and and 4,000 grandkids. Okay? So there would be like a whole lot of us. And we would go in and all my uncles and all my aunts. But all my uncles, my granddad, everybody, they always ended up in the living room. They were watching football games. And here's what happened Every time that I can remember, they would go in there and they would eat so much stuff that you would walk back in there later and they would all be kicked back in the lazy boys with the top button unbuttoned. Come on, somebody. Am I speaking truth right now? And here's the deal. They weren't sitting there conversing about theories and talking about different things. They were passed out. Straight up. I mean, they had eaten so much food. They were lit. Come on. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I feel alone right now. This is hard for me. Thank you. Okay. And, and, and so when I read this scripture, that's the first visual image that came to mind. Think about that. For the heavy drinker and the blood, glutton will come to poverty. And the drowsiness of overindulgence will clothe one with rags. Now think about that. When we allow those areas of our life to come in and take control, I'm not talking about one day a year you eat 40 pounds of turkey. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you consistently live this kind of a lifestyle, you're becoming part of that 70%. And, and some of you right now are saying things like, I don't have the energy that I'd like to have. I want to go to sleep all the time. 
when you're starting to say things like that, you guys need to examine the scripture and begin to look at it and say, Am, is my physical body in a situation where I'm operating the way the manufacturer created it to? Am I? Look at 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12 in the Amplified. Listen to this. This is awesome for Christians. This is awesome. Everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. A dozen Krispy Kreme donuts when the sign is hot is permissible. But is it necessarily beneficial? With a gallon of milk. So as a Christian, we're not under some of these laws, but we are. Everything's permissible to me. We don't have a lot of the restrictions and stuff, but is it the right thing to do is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Everything is permissible for me, but listen to this, but I will not be enslaved by anything and brought under its power, allowing it to control me. Oh, that's serious stuff. See, as Christians, God has given us this amazing world that we get to experience all the great things that he's given us, but, but how many times do we become slave to those kind of things? Slave to our appetites and slave to the different things in our life. And that's not the plan. Listen, there is nothing wrong. I'm going to go on record saying this for the Krispy Kreme people. If you want to have a Krispy Kreme donut every once in a while, that's cool. But if right now we were to test your blood and Krispy Kreme donut came out in your blood, that's a little much. Right? Miss Connie makes the best cinnamon rolls on the planet. Come on, somebody. I mean, yes. Hallelujah. I'm getting a witness from the Lord. No, yeah, she does. But you know what? If you eat that all day, every day, it rains and you will be gone. We'll find your clothes on the ground. That's all that will be left. Because it's okay to do some of these things in moderation. You know what I'm talking about. You guys are smart people. The reason that God wanted to bring this up for all of us including me. I mean, some of you are going, why is he talking to me? He looks like the Pillberry Doughboy. <laughs> you know, that's what you're thinking. I know how y'all are. God's talking to me too. Let me tell you why this is important. I'm going to jump around, Becky. I'm sorry. You don't want God to call you to do something and you physically can't do it because of something you decided to do. You want to go play with your grandkids because you can't. Because you're in that 70% that's chosen to abuse your body. And now you can't participate in the things in life with your family. You want to go on a mission trip to Ecuador. But you can't go because you physically can't do it. And it's not because you have a disease that prevents you from doing that. It's because you've chosen to abuse your body in such a way that you can't participate. How much of life do we miss out on because we've made bad choices? And God made this amazing body. Here's, here's the awesome thing about this message. Do you know how quick you may have abused your body for the last 25 or 30 years, and you can make a decision today to begin to cooperate with God, and he will in a very short period of time get you back where you need to be. That's awesome. He can reset you from right now, but it's not going to accidentally happen. 
you know, we're, the whole thing that we're talking about here is, is as we begin to walk and agree with God, he changes us not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Look, Ephesians 5.18 in the Amplified says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is wickedness and corruption and stupidity, but be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by him. Don't abuse your bodies in such a way that's going to mess you up. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Have a donut every once in a while. But don't abuse your body. Don't go against the manufacturer's directions. Number four, the value of taking care of your body. 1 Timothy 4, verse 8, I love this. Here's what Paul says. We're going to dissect this a little bit because I want some of you guys to get this. Paul says, for physical training is of some value. You can circle that in your notes. But godliness or spiritual training is of value in everything and in every way since it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. Now, notice what Paul says here. And again, I'm going to go back. Many of us think, well, it... Once I become a Christian, it doesn't really matter what I do to my body because really it's about my spirit. Well, you know, it is true. God, God died for you so that you could spend eternity with him in heaven. But notice, it doesn't give you the excuse to abuse your body here. He was very clear that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So there's a requirement here for us as well. So notice what Paul says, do you not, excuse me, he said, for physical training is of some value. There is value in physical training. Let me just put it to you this way. How much more effective could you be at your job, at school, wherever you are in life, if you are physically in better shape? Think about it. There's not one of us in this room that wouldn't be more effective. Some of you, what would it be like to wake up not exhausted? What would it be like to have energy where you could... Go and, and be at your best all day long. And here's the biggest thing of all of it. And I wish I'd have said this first service, but somebody obviously needs to hear this now. Some of you go and you give everything you have at work and you get through four or five hours and then you're exhausted and then you come home and you have nothing left for your family. And it's not because it's impossible. It's because this machine that you have can't operate at an optimum level if you treat it poorly. Do you hear me? You can't. And it's not because, now again, I want, I want you all to hear the heart of God here. I, we're talking about 70% of people are making choices. 30%, some of you may have a disease, you may have something that you're struggling with. I'm not necessarily talking about you, though there is some things you can do as well. That shouldn't be an excuse. I'm talking about those of us that are making daily decisions. Remember, the whole idea here is that God is giving us facts. God is giving us truth. How are we going to respond to it? Are you going to go home? You know, here, here's the thing. In a few minutes, I'm going to release you. Somebody say amen. <laughs> and, and you're going to go to the restaurant, and then you're going to make a healthy decision. Right? <laughs> Come on, somebody. And you're going to be sitting down, and I'll probably be in the restaurant with you, and you're going to look over and go, uh, I'd like fried chicken. I'd like salad. <laughs> what kind of dressing? Water. Just water. That's all I want. And raisins. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. 
Everybody in this room knows this is the truth. All of us know that this is the truth. And I, I promise you that if I had some 65, 70-year-old people standing up here with me right now, and I said, do you wish you would have taken better care of your body 20 years ago? Without exception, they would say yes. Without exception. And so the deal is we can't change yesterday, can we? But we can make decisions today. We can make decisions today that are going to change our tomorrow. Amen? Where does this all happen? Look at number four, discipline. It all comes down to discipline. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know, Paul says, that in a race all the runners run their very best to win, but only one receives the prize? And then he admonishes us and says, run your race in such a way that you may seize the prize and make it yours. Now, every athlete who goes into training and competes in the games, he was talking about the Olympics, is what? Disciplined. Interesting word, discipline. Disciple. Discipline. See that? A disciple is a disciplined one. It's somebody that goes and does and is consistent. Interesting. Now, every athlete who goes into training and competes in the games is disciplined, and they exercise what? Self-control in what? All things. See, that's where when you are physically being disciplined about going to the gym and all that, guess what? It's not just going to affect that area of your life. It's going to bleed over into all the other areas of your life. I'm going to give you a great truth right now that I want you to internalize. Here's Dennis. This is what many of us think. We think there's our spiritual life right? This is church. And then we think there's our business life or school, and you have your job, so that's this thing here. And then there's this family thing, and there's this silo over here. And then there's this physical thing, and then there's this financial thing. We think there's all these different silos in our life, and they're unrelated. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. The truth is, ladies and gentlemen, you have one life, and it's all of that together. It's all of that mixed in together. And so when one of your areas of your life is going well, it impacts every other area of your life. When you become disciplined in your physical body, then you're going to become more disciplined in your spiritual body. And when you become disciplined in this area financially, it's going to help you in dealing with your family. And every area impacts every other area. So what we're talking about today is this. We're not talking about renovating your whole life at once. What I'm talking about is let's start here. Let's start today. Let's make a decision right now to begin this journey. Like Paul's saying, become disciplined, self-control in all things. And why do we do it? They do it to win a crown that withers, but we do it to receive an imperishable crown that cannot wither. Therefore, I do not run without a definite goal. I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave. He's talking about his physical body. He said, I don't work for my body. My body works for me. I'm not limited by my body. My body is going to follow where my mind leads it. My appetite is not going to drive my decisions. I don't live to eat. I eat to live. That's a whole different thing. That's a whole different thing.
I find it interesting. These are my notes here. I'm just going to read you what I wrote as I was going through this. I find it interesting that if you want to mess up a car's engine, you put contaminants in it like sugar, and it causes it to run rough and quit. And I think for many of us, we take more interest in how we take care of our cars and our pets. Some of you feed your pets better than you feed yourself. We're going to find you on the floor and Fluffy's going to be over there. Somebody going to feed me or what? For many of us, we take more interest in how we take care of our cars and our pets than in we take care of ourselves. Listen to me. Your body is a finely tuned machine and you need to treat it with care. You need to treat it with care because here's the deal. I'm glad your dogs are healthy. I'm glad your cats like fish. I'm glad your car is clean and runs great. But if your physical health fails, those things are not going to matter. You need to take care of this machine, guys. Because you only get one. You only get one. Number five, and it's my last point, and somebody said, amen. Just for that, I'm keeping you an extra 20 minutes. Number five, yield your body to God. Yield your body to God. Listen to Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. You ready for this? Therefore, Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, which we have been singing about this morning, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, and intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good, that which is acceptable, and that which is perfect. The bottom line of today's message is this. God created your body as an amazingly intricate machine. Take care of it, exercise it, and feed it well. Ask yourself these questions, and this is what I'm going to leave you with. These are the three questions that I am asking you to ask yourself right now. Am I treating my body the way God would want me to treat it? Am I treating my body the way God would want me to treat it? Second point, as a disciple of Jesus, am I honoring him with and in my body? Am I honoring Jesus with and in my body? And here's the last one. Is my physical body representing Christ in the best way I can based on my care of my body? Now, let me, let me clear that up. The 70% are the ones of us that are choosing to do certain things to our body. 30% of those that are dealing with a disease, something that's going on in your life, it's not something you necessarily did, but it's a reality of something you have to live with in your, in your life. I'm talking about 100% of us right now. Whether you're 14 years old, 20 years old, 30 years old, 52 years old, 60, 70, however old you are, here's what this statement means. Is my physical body representing Christ in the best way I can? If you're 65 years old, 
We don't necessarily expect you to run out and run a marathon. I'm not saying you shouldn't or that you can't. But are you taking the best care of your body at your age? Are you taking the best care of your body at, at the situation that you're in right now, where you find yourself today? Are you taking the best care of yourself that you can? Here's the takeaway. You can't live your life to the fullness that Jesus died for if you're not cooperating him with, in every area of your life. It is God's will that your body prospers and your life prospers as your soul prospers. It is his plan for our life, and we want to receive the fullness of him. Look, I'm just going to confess to you guys, 16 years of age, I tore this knee up playing football. There's probably not any cartilage and ligaments left in here. But when you add a whole bunch of weight on top of that, that really hurts. And I keep thinking, man... If I'd lose some weight, I could probably get around better. And, and the response is like, duh. And it's about choices. And, you know, as my kids get older, as Trish and I, as our kids get older, and, and I want to pastor more, I need more energy because we're doing more things. And here's the thing. The only restrictions that I've seen that I have in my life are the choices that I make. And, guys, it's the same for you. Your biggest limiting factor is yourself. The devil can't stop you. The devil can't keep you from God's will for your life, but you can make choices that prevent you from fulfilling God's plan for your life. And so I beseech you by the mercies of God, by God's love for you, that you really analyze your life in this area today, in the physical area of your life, and make some decisions. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Give him a good place to live. And selfishly, as your pastors, we want you to be around. We want you to be here. We want you to enjoy life. We want you to experience all that God has for you. We do. So make those decisions, amen? I'm gonna close now. If you realize today that you're not yielding to God in this area of your life, it's time to make a change. There is no condemnation here. We're not throwing rocks at anybody. We're not throwing rocks at anybody. I am certainly not throwing rocks, mostly because it'd be hard and I'd have to bend over. That would be so difficult. No, we're not throwing rocks at you. But let's decide that we're going to change and yield our bodies to God. Amen? All right, well, let's all stand this morning. And let's sit down this morning. And come on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was awesome. Like exercise. And one. And that's what we can start doing. I can just start having. Okay, I won't do that. Do me a favor this morning. Take your hand, put it on your heart. I want you uh, to just enter into an attitude of prayer. I don't want you to think about anybody around you. This is, this is the moment in the service where I really want you to examine yourself. Some of you. God has been talking to you for years about this. And you have said, one of these days I'll take care. One of these days, one of these days. Well, today is one of those days where God has been in your face, in love, telling you it's time. I will have done my job 
as your pastor today in two ways. One, that I get myself where I need to be. But two, in love, I've told you the truth, and you make some decisions to change your life physically. So, Lord, as we're here in this holy moment, Father, I just pray right now that each of us would be honest, that we would examine our hearts this morning, and, Lord, that we would choose to make decisions in our bodies that honor you, that, Father, we would, we would be disciplined, that we would draw close to you in this specific area. I'm just talking about the physical areas of our lives today, Lord, that we would choose to follow you, that we would choose to obey your word, that, Lord, some of us would stop resisting you. Lord, we would stop fighting you in this physical area of our life, and, Lord, that we would agree with you and begin to take care of ourselves. Father, today, for some of those, the reason they struggle physically is because, Lord, they struggle mentally and emotionally. Some folks in this room right now struggle, Lord. They eat because it comforts them. They eat because of they are in pain. And, Father, I speak freedom to them right now. Lord, those people that are held hostage in this way, Lord, I speak freedom to them. Jesus, you came to set us free from captivity. And there are those today that struggle with that. And I speak specifically, Lord, to them. Set them free. Lord, and as we draw close to you, as we become the people that you want us to be, as we follow you in discipleship, Lord, I pray that our bodies, our bodies would reflect you to the world. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen, amen. All right, well, now you get to go leave and eat a healthy lunch. And if you want to go run, that's up to you. Okay, love you guys very much. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night. Tell me, have you ever come face to face with a mountain that's in the way and it just won't move? Well, if you find yourself barely hanging on to hope, here's what the Bible says that you need to know. Telling you that you're gonna.